All right, let's get up from our seats to receive our scripture reading for today, which comes from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 9 through 12. Now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another, for that is indeed is what you are doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. But we urge you, brothers, to do this more and more and to aspire to live quietly and to mind your own affairs and to work with your hands as we instructed you so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. This is the word of the Lord and all God's people said, thanks be to God. You may be seated. Now I invite Pastor John to deliver God's word to us today. Good afternoon, everybody. Good to see all of you. Welcome to our worship service for All Stars and Joshua Generation. Uh, Why don't we greet one another in the name of the Lord. Say, hi, I'm so glad that you guys are here today. Are you guys excited for tomorrow? No? How many of you guys are uh, like... Everything is ready. Your pencils are sharpened. You know exactly, you know, what you're going to bring to school. Your backpacks are all ready to go. You're, you got your brand new backpacks and everything. No, no one. You're like, Pastor John, please pray for us. I will pray for you. I am praying for you. We're all praying for you here at Joshua Generation and All Stars. Uh, we've been in this series called Get Ready. And the idea behind this series is to prepare our hearts and our minds in Jesus Christ for the upcoming school year. And seeing how for Fairfax County Public School, uh, school begins tomorrow. So I want to do a little review. If you can get the second slide. We've learned through Psalm chapter 1 that we can prepare for the upcoming school year by meditating upon God's word. If you guys remember from Psalm chapter 1, we learned that it's actually Jesus who is the blessed man. Whose happiness isn't dependent upon circumstances or situations, but upon his relationship with his heavenly father. In In all of his ways, Psalm 1 teaches us that he prospers. And this is such a good thing for us, you know, All-Stars, JG, because this Jesus who knows happiness better than anybody else wants to have a relationship with you through God's word. And the good news is this, that in Christ Jesus, instead of walking, standing, and sitting in the ways of the world, we can now walk, stand, and sit in the ways of God through Christ Jesus by meditating Upon his word. But also, Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 to 7, we can prepare by placing our joys and our sorrows upon Jesus Christ. Philippians 4, 4 to 7 teaches us that there is no end to the joys we find in Jesus. And you and I were meant and made for joy. And so if we're not finding our joy in Jesus Christ, I guarantee you, you will look and find for lesser joys in the world and replace your ultimate joy in Jesus Christ with the things of the world. 
But here's the thing. Since nothing will separate us from the love of Christ, we are called to do two things. Number one, show the world our faith, our joy with reasonableness or gentleness. Defending our faith and sharing it with amongst other people. And number two, to lift up all of our hearts to Jesus through prayer, knowing that Jesus listens to your prayers. How exciting is it to know that, you know, the best way for us to prepare for this upcoming year, as you can see, is to not do it alone. That God is with you. And today we're going to learn in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 9 to 12, that not only are you not alone because God is with you, yes, God is with you, but we are to prepare our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus by loving one another through Christ Jesus. You see, loving one another, friends, is not like an elective course but a foundational class that continues to advance without end. In that way, it's really similar to math. You know, math never ends, and it just keeps going and going and going to more and more higher levels. And now some of you might actually hate math, and you might not see the point of math, but here's why math is actually very, very important. It's not important because you're learning algebra and geometry and beyond. It's actually important because math teaches you how to think in new ways and solve problems creatively. And so likewise, Love is also important because it transforms the way in which we look at life in general, but also how to understand one another. But even more importantly, love is important because it teaches us about the character of God and how much he loves us. And students, when things get rough during this academic school year and things will get rough, you need to know who your heavenly Father is, that he is watching over you with tenderness and compassion, yes, with full power and authority, but in love. And so to guide us for today, I have two points. Uh, The first one is a labor of love, labor of love. And the second point is love that's demonstrated through labor. First point, labor of love, and then love demonstrated through labor. So let's begin with point number one. What is the labor of love that we find in our passage today? Well, it says, now concerning brotherly love, verse nine. That is the labor of love. It is brotherly love. And in the Greek, it's Philadelphia, Philadelphia. And that sounds very similar to our English word, Philadelphia. How many of you guys know the city of Philadelphia? Yeah, you guys know it very familiar, right? And that means the city of brotherly love. That's where they get it, Philadelphia, the Greek word, which means the love of brothers or sisters. And here's the thing. If you actually go to Philadelphia, you might think, man, this is like the last place for brotherly love. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, just try and drive through that place. But not so with the Christians at Thessaloniki, these Christians lived out and modeled Philadelphia, brotherly love among the household of God. And it was spectacular. It was awesome. 
It was a kind of place where you would want to go and stay and never leave. How many of you guys um, know what this feels like? When you visit one of your friend's homes, and you visit your friend's homes and you realize there is so much love in this place. And you're like scratching your heads like, man, what is so different about this household? Everyone's so genuine, authentic, caring. Man, I wish I was part of this household. You see, that was the description of these particular Christians. And it was truly special because during this time, Philadelphia, brotherly love, wasn't necessarily a Christian term. It was a term that was just used amongst just everybody. It's an everyday word amongst the people. But how they would use it would be only within your biological family or your tribe. It was expected for Philadelphia, Philadelphia. It was expected for members of a household to serve, be committed, and exude loyalty within their family or tribe. However, outside of one's family, outside of one's tribe, there was no expectation to show Philadelphia. You know, tragically, as I look back at All-Stars and Joshua generations throughout the history, I feel like in All-Stars, there was a tremendous amount of love within All-Stars. And then I look at Joshua generation, and I felt like there was tremendous love within Joshua generation. But it was so difficult for all-stars and Joshua generation to love one another, partly because we were a different family, a different tribe. It was so sad because in reality, we're the one household, one family of God. And I know we've been through so many transitions in our ministry. Partly, you know, we're worshiping together in the NPR. And I have heard complaint after complaint after complaint saying, can we go back to our former tribes, you know, going back to the word or going back to the well? We could, but we would sacrifice so much of what God is trying to teach us today that in this household of God, no matter how different you are, no matter what grade you're in, no matter what you're going through, no matter what your socioeconomic class is, no matter what courses you are taking, honors, AP, GT, whatever they call it these days, all can come here to the throne of grace and receive God's word. Philadelphia, brotherly love. And when we realize that the important thing to gain as we worship together is Philadelphia, brotherly love, we begin to realize that if we were to sell, uh, separate, this is what we would also lose as well, the momentum to love one another. It is not the room to blame. It is not the high ceilings. It is our unwillingness to exude the labor of love. And that's why I'm so proud of our ministry for our Joshua generation I'm so proud of our welcoming team, for example, that you are not just serving Joshua generation, but you are serving all of your brothers and sisters and friends in our English congregation youth ministry. Christians would take this word Philadelphia and use it on anyone 
who has been purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. This was so countercultural, and it literally weirded people out. And for some of you who are not in Christ Jesus, and some of you who are a guest here, you'll notice that we'll call one another who are in Christ Jesus my brother and my sister. And I'm sure that weirds you out. It's like there's no way all of you have the same, you know, mother and father, at least not biologically. And that is true. But here's the thing. Though we might not have the same biological parents, in our bodies, in our lives, runs through our very veins the same blood of Jesus Christ. And that is why we actually call one another brothers and sisters. And when we look at each other, we might not know one another. But here's the thing. Because of the power of the gospel, when I look at you, when I look at you and you look at me, and we know instinctually also because we are telling one another that we are Christians in Christ, here's what Paul says in Romans chapter 13. Owe nothing to nobody except love. I owe you love. I owe you love. That's the labor of love. That's Philadelphia, brotherly, sisterly love. And I find so um, interesting And I can kind of understand it a little bit. But sometimes we're so close. We exude Philadelphia here at church. But I wonder, do you exude Philadelphia at school? To show the world what it looks like when brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus truly love one another. You see, those outside of the Christian community during this time period, they were bewildered. They actually thought that Christians were trying to start a coup, try to take over the government uh, because they saw the rich and the poor, the educated and the uneducated, different races, ethnicities, and even national enemies not only eat together, but do life together, serve one another. They would, as the church, provide offering and they would collect this offering And make sure that their community had everything that they needed and well supplied for. That, my brothers and sisters, is the church. And people were weirded out. They actually had so many misunderstandings. They thought that we were incestuous because we kept on calling each other brothers and sisters. Even husband and wife would say we're brother and sister. They thought that we were loaded with money. But it wasn't that the Christians were rich It was that they were rich in love and that they would sacrifice even their very lives because of Philadelphia. There was a historian that noted something back then, uh, a historian of the, I think, the third century. And they would see uh, in the Colosseum, in the Colosseum, uh, they would throw Christians in the middle of the Colosseum. And then they would have lions and bears and all these wild animals to kill these Christians And then this historian noticed something very, very odd about what the Christians were doing. The Christians would form a circle around the older and weaker Christians. And they would defend these Christians. But they also saw something really strange too. The older and weaker Christians, because they knew that they were going to die anyways, they would throw the younger Christians back into the circle so that they could die for one another. In the beginning, the crowd would laugh. Look at these fools. Look at these Christians. What are they doing? They're throwing each other. But later on, the laughter turned into silence. 
as they began to see what was going on amongst the love that these Christians had for one another. Did you know that in three centuries, because of Philadelphia, the brotherly love, the sisterly love, the labor of this kind of love in three centuries transformed the Roman Empire from a pagan nation to a Christian nation. It was unlike anything the world has ever seen before. Listen, cities that were filled with poor people, impoverished, homeless, Christianity offered hope and charity, regardless of whether they were Christian or not. Cities filled with newcomers and strangers, while Christianity offered them immediate basis for attachment. It just kind of reminds me for us as Korean Americans, many years ago, when we first immigrated to this country, whether you were a Christian or not, we all attended church because that was a place of community and a sense of identity amongst the Korean community. And the church provided that community, but also they provided the gospel of Jesus Christ, a new community of God. Cities filled with orphans and widows. Christianity provided a new and expanded sense of family. When I look at All-Stars and Joshua Generation, and you guys might not even know this, but we have another team called YFS, Youth and Family Support, filled with our older brothers and sisters, parents, who wants to pray and love on you, and they've been constantly serving you behind the scenes. I realize, why are we doing this? Is it because we're getting paid? Is it because I'm obligated towards you because of a contract, of a profession? No. It is because Jesus Christ has entered into my heart and transformed me into a person that I never thought I could be. And now, for those of us who have tasted the labor of Christ's love, It is not a burden to me to serve you, my brothers. It is not a burden to me to serve you, my sisters. It is a privilege. It is an honor. It is an absolute delight. I have the best job in the world because I get to serve you with the love that I have experienced in Christ Jesus with you. Cities torn by violent ethnic strife, violence of all sorts, Christianity offered a new basis of social solidarity. It doesn't matter whether you're Korean, non-Korean, whatever race you are, whatever country you're from, whatever gender you are, no matter how different you are, we are identified first and foremost as Christian for those of us who believe. And also cities faced with epidemics, fires, and earthquakes. Well, Christianity offered effective nursing services. Let me give you an example of this. In AD 165, there was a plague, probably smallpox. And then uh, another century later in AD 250, there was another plague that ran through the population and slaughtered so many people. So many people died. And this is how people in that culture would treat one another in that community. All of the rich people first would evacuate the city. The rich people knew, they heard first, that there would be a plague coming. 
and they would have the financial means to evacuate first. And among the rich, you know who was part of the rich? Doctors. The doctors who knew at least how to help were the first ones to leave because they didn't want to die. Now, what about the poor who couldn't leave the city? Well, in their homes, you know what they would do? If you were sick, they would lock you in a room. No food, no water, and just hopefully you'll just die in peace. And if, we, if there's not a room for you, it would be very common for them to throw you out of the house so that you would die in the streets. But listen to what this church historian, Bishop Dionysius in the third century, what he writes. Most of our brother Christians showed unbounded love and loyalty, never sparing themselves and thinking only of one another. Heedless of danger, they took charge of the sick, tending to their every need and ministering to them in Christ. And here's the amazing thing, brothers and sisters. During this time period, if there was a plague, let's say we're in the third century and there was a plague, if I just gave you food and if I gave you water, do you know the, how much it would increase your chance of survival? If I just tended to your needs, if I showed you love, if I cared for you by just giving you food and water, the chances of you surviving increased to 60%. And these Christians knowing full well that most likely that they would receive this contagion, this plague amongst themselves, they would go in headfirst to care for you because of the love that they received in Christ Jesus. Because here's the thing, for the Christian, we know that plagues, wars, famines, and everything else, they're all bad. But there is something that is far worse than any plague And that's sin, because sin affects all of us. And though ritually, spiritually, religiously, you and I would be deemed as unclean, Jesus Christ, heedless of the dangers, knowing that it would cost him his life, would come to show you Philadelphia, brotherly love, knowing that it would kill him to save you. This is where the Christians would receive this Philadelphia, this labor of love. Listen to what it says. Can I get slide seven? John 13, verses 34 to 35. Listen to what our King Jesus says. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. It is no wonder that because these Christians were loving one another, as Christ has loved them, they transformed not only Macedonia, but the entire Greco-Roman Empire. Do not underestimate the love of Philadelphia, the brotherly love that Christ has given to you. And by the way, You are designed for it. Now here's an application to this. I want you, I want you, hear me, to find your cliques. I know, I know. 
The Christian thing or the Christian sounding thing is to say, destroy all cliques. But the fact of the matter is that's just not going to happen. Find your cliques and make sure that there's a door to your clique. Let there be a window to your clique so that you can invite others, pray for one another. You yourselves know, students, how much you are suffering. Some of you are suffering quietly, silently, all to yourself, dying alone, locked up in the heart of your emotions. But when a brother or sister, also our students, when your JG brothers and sisters come to love on you, please know that they are human beings as well. And they also need your love. We need each other. We become the white blood cells of this ministry, protecting one another, defending one another, serving one another, sacrificing one another as Christ Jesus has done for us. How amazing is it, brothers and sisters, that you can to this day Go to the tombstones of the first and second and third century of this time period and see that Christians live longer than the pagans because they cared and nursed one another. Is there any one of you who need prayer? Is there any one of you who are feeling anxiety and you're scared to start school? Maybe some of you feel the social pressures of being in all of these GT, AP classes and you just feel like you're just not enough. Find a brother, find a sister, be the brother, be the sister. Brothers and sisters, this is not just, I'm not babysitting you. Joshua generation, I, you're too old now. I'm not babysitting you. I can't hold your hand. You are, I, I am calling you to gather here in this place, to be sent out there to be light and salt that this world desperately needs, but also you and I need. And so, brothers and sisters, when we gather here, let us practice love and let us exude love out there. So this is the labor of love. And you see this in verses 9 and 10. Now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you. Why does Paul say that? Paul says that because these uh, Thessalonians have received love. They've been, they've witnessed love. They've been recipients of love. So there's no need for me to explain this to you. Paul has demonstrated love to you. God has demonstrated love to you. And verse 10, for that indeed is what you are doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. But we urge you, listen, brothers, to do this more and more. So brothers and sisters, all-stars, Joshua generation, you're doing a good job. You're doing a great job. I cannot begin to tell you how proud I am of our ministry. When I die and I go to heaven, you will be my boast. When I die and I'm with the Lord, I will, I'm not gonna boast in my achievements. I'm gonna boast in you because of how you love one another. But as Paul says here, do this more and more. How many of you guys at your home, if you guys have a lawn, how many of you guys do your lawn? You mow it as a kid. I, I did when I was your age. I did. Now, how many of you guys have electric, uh, you know, the, what is that, motor, uh, what is that called? 
Lawnmower, electric lawnmower. How many of you guys had that? Okay, guess what I used? Because my dad didn't fully trust me for good reason with an electric lawnmower, he gave me like a manual powered one. So the faster I go, there was blades and it would cut through the grass. And uh, I had to like really rev up and run and take care of the grass. And we had a huge lawn back then. And here's the thing. I noticed that even though I would cut the lawn, especially when it would rain, the grass would grow so much faster. And so it didn't matter that I cut the lawn. I know that I would need to do it again. Likewise with you and me, we need to continue to love one another. Be creative. Don't ever stop. Showing love to one another. If you notice that there is a brother or sister or friend who's not coming out, message them, text them, sit with them. The saddest thing I've ever heard was one of our leaders tell me, Pastor John, there's a student in the bathroom that's not coming out. And they're crying. So why are they crying? I'm hoping, and I know the answer, but I was hoping that they were having a stomachache. They were crying because they felt so alone and they felt so scared. Are we known as that church where it's just the cool kids? Come on. Experience the love of Jesus Christ. See and taste that he is good. Have eyes that open to the heartbreak of others. You have so much power. And yes, the world tells you the same message. You are powerful, but they are foundationless. I am telling you, brothers and sisters, you have the power of Jesus Christ. The same power that raised him from the dead is yours in Christ Jesus. And there are so many people who are dead inside, who are suffering and crying and just alone. And God has given you the power of his love to reach out to those in need. And let me tell you, it's like, man, why do I have to do all this? I already am so busy. I have so much homework because you were meant for it. You were designed for it. Listen to what it says in Ephesians chapter 1. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace in which he has blessed us in the beloved. You were predestined. You were chosen in love to be an agent of love. And when you are exuding and doing all that God has called you to do, there is this life-giving power. You know, how many of you go to school and you do a class and you have to force yourself and pretend that you like AP history? <laughs> You're like, man, I, I mean, how many of you have actually done that? I've done this before. When I was taking like courses like civics and I would just be like, I am in love with civics. Yes, I am. I would look at the mirror and I go, I am all about physics. Physics is the best. I'm trying to psych myself out. It's just so unnatural. But then at lunchtime, everything was natural for me. I love lunch. It was so natural. I didn't have to try. I would love lunch so much that I would always pray with one eye open because I had friends like that who would try to take my meals. I wasn't, as I am not now, the biggest student. There were, I had big friends who would take my fries. I've done things where I would lick my food before I prayed. 
But then that didn't work because I had friends who were so nasty, they would still eat it anyways. COVID didn't exist back then. But when we are doing things that we were designed to do, which is to love one another in Christ, watch and see how much life you receive. But that's point number one. The labor of love is brotherly love. But point number two, love must be demonstrated through labor. And this is at verse 11 to 12. So could we get slide one up? I'm going to read this. Verse 11. And to aspire to live quietly and to mind your own affairs and to work with your hands as we instructed you so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent upon no one. Wow, there's a lot of practical applications. And I want to go through all of this. Number one, it says to aspire to live quietly. What this means, it sounds like an oxymoron, right? It's saying aspire, strive, do your best to be a nobody. It's like, wait, what? What do you mean, Lord, to be a nobody? Why would I aspire to live quietly? And Paul is saying this is because you are already a somebody to Jesus. You understand that? So many of us have it backwards. We are striving and trying to live for ourselves, making our names great in the eyes of the world, not realizing that, don't you know, beloved? Don't you know, daughters? Don't you know, sons? that you are already great in the eyes of God because that is how much he has loved you. And so while we are here on earth, let us make less of ourselves and more of Jesus Christ. It is my distinct privilege to be working with so many amazing leaders from all stars, Joshua generation, from our YFS ministry. You know why they're so amazing? Because not any one of them is trying to make it about themselves. They are working together tirelessly, collectively, not to make our name great, but to make the name of Jesus great. And brothers and sisters, isn't that the name that we need to make great in our schools? Jesus. Jesus. There's so much violence and pain and suffering in our schools. I don't even want to mention them. But you see it on the news. Your schools does not need to know my name. They don't need to know Pastor John. They need to know Jesus Christ. And so aspire, work very diligently to live quietly, unlike the world in all of its noise and distractions. And number two, mind your own affairs. Oh, this is so good. I need, it, it, I need everybody to listen to this one. Mind your own affairs. I feel like Paul wrote that for us today. And here's why. How many of you, the first thing that you do when you wake up is get your phone and look through Instagram, TikTok, whatever social media. We live in a generation in a time period where we are not minding our own business. We have to heart everything. We have to heart, like, I just recently found out about a guy named, like, Andrew Tate. You know, I was just like, wow, this guy is really vulgar and obscene. And, like, I think I see some of you guys, like, hearting his things. I'm like, no. And he's just like, we have the word of God to heart. Uh, and there's, like, you know, Kim Kardashian and just 
all the rest of the Kardashians and, and who's married to who and who's getting divorced and how much this kid at 16 is making so much money. We're not minding our own business. We are minding the business of the world. We are becoming busybodies. And this is what it's training us to be. Gossipers, slanderers, people who are dividing one another. And so Paul says, put your phones down. Don't let that be the first thing you touch in the morning. Go to God. Mind your own affairs. Even Jesus says, hey, don't even worry about the burdens of tomorrow. You have enough. God has given you enough for today to worry about. Mind your own business. Don't be such a busy body. And then he says, to work with your hands. And that doesn't mean you have to be like really, really good with like, I don't know, your, your tech. You know, like you don't have to like really be good at lumber or lifting heavy things. If that were the case, I'd be in trouble. But what it means is that outsiders are looking at you. Outsiders are looking at you. People who do not believe are looking at you. And so be a good witness. Go to, go to school. Do countercultural things. I mean, here's a couple of advice that some of the students have shared with me during SMP. Talk to your teachers. Be in good communication with them. Uh, don't be late. Um, make sure that, you know, uh, you are paying attention in class. Ask for help. Um, be diligent. These are from your older brothers and sisters who are saying, you know, if you're going to do a sport, just pick that one thing and be devoted to it. If you're going to pick up an instrument, be devoted to it. Show and strive for excellence. Again, not to make your name great but to be a good testimony in this life. And that's why verse 12 ends with, so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. And he's still talking about outsiders, people who are not in Christ. But for those of us who are in Christ, love one another, be dependent upon one another, help one another. When you guys go to school, do not, when you have like eye contact with somebody, like I'm having eye contact with some of you right now, when you're at school and you know that they come to KCPC, don't do one of these. When you have eye contact, you know what I mean? You see, you see them and you're like, oh, oh, heck no, 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 no. They're going to ruin my social credit, right? They're not cool enough. Oh my goodness, why is this freshman talking to me, right? Why are they talking to me? Who do they think they are? I work so hard to be cool. Love one another with Philadelphia and transform your world at school. I know this. I don't know if you're going to be a doctor, a lawyer, pharmacist, teacher, educator, engineer. I don't know. But what I do know is this. God has called you today to be students for the glory of God, to love one another with Philadelphia, to prepare for this life, not alone, but with God and with one another. Would you bow your heads with me in prayer? In light of Philadelphia, I want you guys to think of one person that you want to pray for.
one person, one schoolmate, uh, one uh, friend who might not know Jesus Christ, one friend who is going through a lot of emotional ups and downs. Pray for them tangibly, specifically. Pray for those who have hurt you. Pray for yourselves that you would be that brother, that sister, that friend that can model the love of Jesus Christ at your schools. So brothers and sisters, and also let's pray for one another at this time. Pray together. I invite you to pray out loud with me. The Lord is here. The Lord is hearing your precious prayers. Let's pray together. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you again. Lord, uh, we thank you for first and foremost pouring into our hearts and our lives so that this blessing, this love can be poured out to those around us. And Lord, as you have said in John 13, by this, may the world know that we are your disciples in terms of how we love one another with the love that you have given to us. Let us be prepared for this upcoming school year by placing our happiness, our joys, our sorrows upon you. Let us be prepared for this upcoming school year by not doing things alone, but with God, with one another. We thank you. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.